Welcome to Repro's Fight Back, a podcast on all things repro. I'm your host, Jenny Wetter, and each episode I will be taking you to the front lines of the escalating fight over our sexual and reproductive health and rights at home and abroad. Each episode, I will be speaking with leaders who are fighting to protect our reproductive health and rights to ensure that no one's reproductive health depends on where they live. It's time for Repros to fight back. Welcome to Repros Fight Back. On a previous episode, we talked about how the Trump administration is reshaping the federal judiciary. Today, with that in mind, we're going to take a look at some of the important abortion-related cases that are currently working through the court system. To explain the cases we should be keeping an eye on, I'm excited to have with me today Bridget Amiri with the ACLU. Hi, Bridget. Thanks for being here today. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. So I thought before we get to the current cases and what's working its way up, maybe we should just talk a little bit about what the current um, lay of the land is, what abortion law looks like right now. And I think most people are familiar with Roe v. Wade and maybe less familiar with some of the other um, Supreme Court rulings like Casey or Whole Woman's Health. So let's go through the major Supreme Court decisions on abortion of the last uh, 40 decades or 40 years, last four decades. Um, But it'll be um, fairly quick. I mean, obviously, everyone knows Roe versus Wade and people associate um, the Supreme Court decision uh, with uh, the ability to access abortion and the right to abortion in the Constitution. And that's certainly uh, the the, the framework um, that we start from. So in 1973, uh, the Supreme Court found uh, that the right to abortion is constitutionally protected in the 14th Amendment um, to the U.S. Constitution. And it uh, overruled um, a number of uh, abortion restrictions um, that were in place at the time that criminalized abortion and uh, basically made abortion legal um, for the first time um, in the United States across the country. Uh, There's obviously a lot of history leading up to Roe that we won't necessarily get into, but it builds off of the right to contraception and right to privacy, and a number of states um, had already started uh, reversing their abortion bans um, in their states, and um, and then the Supreme Court for the, the entire country said that it was illegal to ban abortion under the Constitution. There were a number of cases between... Uh, Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992. But 1992, the Supreme Court issued another landmark abortion decision and scaled back on what they said in Roe versus Wade. Um, in Roe versus Wade, they said that abortion is a fundamental constitutional right and any abortion restriction. Uh, uh, had to be considered under the highest level of scrutiny for the courts, um, making it very difficult for states to pass restrictions on abortion. Uh, but in 1992, um, the Supreme Court said that states could actually pass restrictions on abortion as long as they did not impose a substantial obstacle in the path of women seeking abortion. And that is then the new standard in 1992 that people used to evaluate whether an abortion restriction was constitutional or not. So abortion is still a fundamental right, it's still protected under the Constitution, but the test that courts use to assess whether a particular restriction violates the Constitution is whether it imposes an undue burden, or in other words, imposes a substantial obstacle in the path of women seeking abortions. and and. there have been obviously a lot of cases about what does that mean. 
And uh, then uh, in 2016, uh, the Supreme Court decides Whole Woman's Health um, versus Hellerstead, and uh, it's a case coming out of Texas um, about uh, doctors having admitting privileges um, and whether abortion facilities um, must meet the standards of ambulatory surgical centers. And the Supreme Court uh, clarifies what it says in Casey in the sense that it says that when courts consider restrictions on access to abortion, um, they must assess the benefits of the law to women's health and balance that against the burdens imposed on women. And in Whole Woman's Health, they did that balancing test and concluded that the elimination of abortion clinics in Texas uh, in large numbers uh, was incredibly burdensome, and the benefit, the medical benefit of having admitting privileges was uh, slim to none. And so it struck down the Texas law. Uh, so that that all builds on uh, other cases that have um, come between those landmark cases, um, but that's where we are now. Um, I think that's important background because I feel like a lot of the conversation we hear is really focused on Roe. Um, and what states have really been targeting for years is Casey. Well, and also, too, I mean, I think that they've also been chipping away um, in these really insidious ways that I think a lot of people don't know about. Uh, since 2011, there have been 400 abortion restrictions passed in various states across the country. And uh, now we're seeing more direct attacks on Roe in terms of attempts to ban abortion. Um, but literally since the day that Roe versus Wade was decided, States have been trying to find ways to close clinic doors, reduce the availability of abortion providers, shame women and providers, um, shame people who uh, uh, seek abortions, and uh, make it more difficult for them. And that has been their tactic um, for over 40 years now. And, you know, in a lot of places, um, it's as if Roe versus Wade was never decided. Roe Roe does not mean anything if there isn't the availability of a provider. And um, there are several states now where there's only one abortion clinic because of these restrictions um, that have built on top of each other that have eliminated um, abortion access uh, in the state to the point where there might be only one provider. Yeah, and they tend to build on each other. Like a lot of that is in the South. So you have states near each other that only have one. So you don't have, really have another alternative for somewhere to go. Well, well, that's right. And uh, also everybody should be able to get the care that they need within their state Absolutely. and not have to travel out of state. Uh, and it's really frightening um, that in in these several states that there's only one abortion provider. Um, And in the South, but also the Midwest, Kentucky, Missouri Mm -hmm. um, only have one abortion provider. Uh, North Dakota, South Dakota only have one abortion provider. Mississippi only has one. Uh, So, uh, you know, they're they're somewhat um, scattered. And then when you look at the map, and you see the, the, the states that are uh, adjacent to these states um, that are uh, also trying to restrict abortion. You know, Kentucky has one abortion clinic remaining. In the, 1970s, in the 1970s, after Roe was decided, there were 17 abortion providers or hospitals that provided abortion. And now today there's only one place where you can, can get an abortion, and that's EMW Women's Surgical Center in Louisville. And... The idea that, you know, putting aside that 
everybody should be able to get the care that they need in their state. Um, if you look at the map, uh, there are a number of restrictions trying to close clinics in Indiana, Ohio, uh, Tennessee. The House just passed a six-week ban. Um, Ohio is uh, poised to pass a six-week ban um, as well. Uh, so it's uh, there, oh, there's one one provider in West Virginia, um, which also borders Kentucky. Uh, so it's really, really, really a difficult picture when you look at it um, from that bird's eye view. So I'm originally from Wisconsin, so I've been watching um, Access Dwindle in Wisconsin, too. Hopefully that'll change with the new governor, but I think right now Wisconsin has three clinics left, and they're all in Madison and Milwaukee, which is very southern Wisconsin, so there are large swaths of the state that don't have access. That's right, and I think that's a really important point that um, that where where clinics um, have been able to remain open, they have been in uh, uh, urban areas, and so for rural women, in particular, low-income women, uh, marginalized communities, it makes it very very difficult um, to travel to um, the abortion provider um, in um, an urban center uh, because people lack the money to do so. They can't take time off of work. Um, they can't find childcare to, to care for their existing children while they make the journey. And that's uh, an, an incredibly important picture of the difficulty in accessing abortion today. So moving forward to talk about the cases. So <clears throat> a lot of the cases were really aimed at trying to find where Justice Kennedy was on where was he placing undue burden. That was kind of what the aim felt like for a long time. But everything changed last year with the appointment of Justice Kavanaugh. Um, so it's good to now move forward and start looking at what some of these cases that are coming through the pipeline could mean going forward with this change in the judicial landscape. As you know, President Trump vowed to appoint justices that were committed to overturning Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that is a deep concern that now that there are uh, five out of nine votes to overturn Roe versus Wade and nobody has a crystal ball and we don't know exactly what will happen um, in the future when one of these cases gets to the Supreme Court for consideration. Uh, but it's really frightening uh, in terms of what the possibilities are and uh, we're you know, obviously, um, you know, involved in litigating a number of cases, some of which may get to the Supreme Court. And uh, uh, what the court will do with them is, is really kind of anyone's um, guess. Um, there have been a couple of small clues that people are trying to draw from. And I think that reading, trying to read those tea leaves is uh, not necessarily helpful. Like, it doesn't really tell right. us that much. Um, so, you know, the Supreme Court has um, denied review in a couple of abortion cases, um, but I don't think that necessarily means that they're not going to accept a case at some point uh, and uh, either weaken the, the right to abortion or overrule Roe. And quite frankly, the one of the really concerning possibilities is that the Supreme Court is going to weaken Roe versus Wade, allow um, some of these restrictions to to stand on the books, eliminating abortion access in some states, um, but not saying that they are actually overruling Roe. And so I think everyone really just needs to be paying very close attention to not just the direct assaults on Roe and the possibility of Roe being overturned, but Roe being gutted such that mm -hmm. it really means that there is no access in some states. So I think one of the places to start with some tea leaf reading is one that is very close to Justice Kavanaugh and then very close to you because you were um, one of the lawyers arguing it. And that's the Justice for Jane case. Yeah, so uh, the Jane Doe case uh, involves 
the Trump administration's attempt to ban abortion for unaccompanied immigrant minors. These are young people who come to the United States, largely from the Northern Triangle uh, in Central America, and uh, are looking um, to flee violence in their home country, sometimes at the hands of their parents. And if they are detained in the United States, they are put under um, the care of Health and Human Services. And uh, in September of 2017, uh, we learned from one of our fantastic coalition partners, um, James Due Process, um, that there was a young woman in custody uh, of HHS who was seeking access to abortion. She had gotten a judicial bypass in Texas, um, which is required if you are not able to get your parents' consent. You can go to court and ask um, a judge to allow you to consent to the abortion on your own if you're a minor. And she had done that that hurdle, um, and the Trump administration ordered um, the the shelter where she was staying um, to not allow her to leave the shelter for any abortion-related appointments. Uh, so we had to file an emergency lawsuit, and uh, and we got a, a quick ruling saying that it was blatantly unconstitutional for the Trump administration to ban access to abortion um, for this um, brave young woman. And uh, the government appealed, and uh, on the initial appeal panel was then Judge Kavanaugh um, in the D.C. Court of Appeals. Uh, so I argued that case um, in front of Judge Kavanaugh and two other judges, and Judge Kavanaugh wrote for two of the three judges um, after argument saying that the government should be allowed to have more time to find a family member in the United States who Jane could be released to such that she could get the abortion outside of government custody. And that ignored that the government had already been looking for six weeks for a family member for her to be released to and wasn't able to find one, that the government had already essentially held her hostage for four weeks after she requested the abortion, pushing her further into her pregnancy against her will, and that the government can't ban abortion for anyone. And so Judge Kavanaugh really ignored like the basic fundamental rule of law of Roe versus Wade. And they definitely seem to be running out the clock, too, because didn't Texas have a 20-week abortion ban? That's exactly right. And and I said that at oral argument. And at the time, she was about she was she was approaching 15 weeks. Um, so giving the government 11 days to find another to find uh, a family member. Um, and then at the ele- end of those 11 days, it's not as if Judge Kavanaugh said she could get the abortion. He said that we could start our case all over again in district court, get a new order saying she could get the abortion, which the government could then appeal and make the same or new or different arguments. So we would have to then start the case all over again, which would further run off the clock. And we said that's completely unacceptable, and we asked the full Court of Appeals uh, to overrule Judge Kavanaugh, and they did. And, um, and Jane Doe was able to get her abortion um, about a month after um, being delayed by the federal government uh, in terms of the initial being blocked initially and then fighting us tooth and nail in court. Uh, and so that Judge Kavanaugh decision, you know, really raised a lot of alarm bells um, for us uh, in th- his appointment process. And we explained that, you know, we were concerned that he would not fo- follow um, Roe versus Wade, um, at least not exactly say that, but do this a sleight of hand uh, and, and try to say he was following the rule of law, but really um, 
not do so. And um, and so that was, you know, the concern that, that we were raising um, at the time. And then um, we can we can kind of uh, that segues into June, I think, a little bit if you wanted to talk about right. June. But I'll, but or I can go back to talk about where the Jane Doe case is. Um, you know, so we um, there were a number of other young women who came forward um, until we could get um, a order that prohibited the government um, from obstructing or interfering with access to abortion for the entire class of pregnant unaccompanied immigrant minors in federal custody. Um, so we went to court one by one for each of those um, young women. There were three other young women in addition to the original Jane Doe. And then in March of 2018, we got a, an order from the district court saying that the government was prohibited from interfering or obstructing with access for any pregnant unaccompanied immigrant minor in their custody. And that's when I finally was able to sleep through the night. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the government appealed that. And um, uh, we had oral argument uh, in September of 2018 and we are awaiting a ruling. But uh, in the meantime, the government is blocked from interfering with access to abortion, and uh, I hope we will win in the Court of Appeals, but then the government um, could petition the Supreme Court for review. So to the extent that people are watching um, what cases might come to the Supreme Court, there is a possibility that uh, when when hopefully we win that case, the government will petition um, for a review, uh, and then uh, that will be one of the cases to watch in front of the Supreme Court. And then, yeah, you were right. Like, the next tea leave was the Louisiana case, um, the June case. It was good news, but I, like you said before, I don't know that that bodes necessarily that I think positively going forward, if they were to hear the case, it's just temporary good news. So the, the um, uh, June case is the Center for Reproductive Rights uh, trap case out of Louisiana, and uh, and uh, it poses um, very similar questions um, that, uh, that Holmes Health did um, about doctors um, uh, who provide abortion must have admitting privileges. And uh, the law was blocked by the district court, and the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals um, reversed that decision. And basically tried to get around Holman's Health in a very disingenuous way. And uh, the Center for Reproductive Rights um, asked the Supreme Court to block the law from taking effect while they petitioned the Supreme Court for review. And uh, the Supreme Court agreed to do so um, to prevent the closure of um, all, all but one abortion provider um, in Louisiana, I believe. But in that tea leaf reading um, was Justice Kavanaugh, now Justice Kavanaugh, who writes a dissent um, saying he would allow the law to take effect. And as soon as I read it, I was shocked, or not shocked, I shouldn't say shocked, I'm not shocked by much these days. I was um, struck by how similar his dissent in the June case was um, to what he wrote in Jane Doe. Um, This lip service to precedent, uh, this lip service to the rule of law. Uh, but not uh, adhering to it. Uh, The Supreme Court had just decided whole women's health in 2016, striking down admitting privileges, finding that there was no medical benefit to have them, and finding that it would close clinics. So what is the difference um, between that ruling for Texas in 2016 and Louisiana in 2019? And the answer is none. And uh, and the fact that um, Judge Kavanaugh tries to explain explain his reasoning away um, was uh, a further indication, I think, of where he's going to be on uh, abortion restrictions uh, 
just Chief Justice Roberts um, votes um, with uh, the majority um, to um, to block uh, the, the law from taking effect. And so now I think folks are opining on whether Chief Justice Roberts is, in, in essence, the, the new Justice Kennedy, the, the swing vote uh, about whether an abortion restriction should be upheld or not. And I think you're absolutely right to say that this doesn't really tell us much. This was an emergency order about whether a law that was very similar to one that was struck down uh, three years ago could take effect while the, uh, the Center for Objective Rights could petition for, to the Supreme Court for a review. And it really doesn't tell us anything substantively on um, how Chief Justice Roberts is going to rule on an abortion restriction when a case comes to the court fully briefed, fully argued on the merits. No, I think that's right. And I think you know, it seems like he's the swing in so much as that I think he might have an inclination to be a little more cautious, but not necessarily it, it like he's already going to be much further left, uh, right, sorry, not left, right of where Kennedy was. So it's not swing in the same way that Kennedy was. Yeah, I, mean, I just think we just don't know. And I think that people shouldn't read too much uh, into this one way or the other and time time will tell and there are a number of cases that are in the pipeline um so obviously the center for reproductive rights uh you know has uh, will petition for uh review in in the june case um but um also there are a number of cases that are are pending in front of the supreme court in terms of petitions that are already up there including um an indiana case uh, brought by Planned Parenthood um, and the ACLU uh, challenging a restriction um, on the reason why women seek abortions. The Supreme Court is considering whether to take that case. The law was struck down in Indiana saying that it was unconstitutional to uh, ban abortion uh, because um, a person was seeking an abortion um, based on a, a diagnosis of Down syndrome of the fetus. And uh, the the Supreme Court hasn't decided whether to take that case or not. Um, also up for review um, is our case challenging the Alabama restriction um, on a method of abortion. The Supreme Court will also just, just consider whether to take that case. Yeah, I think that you're seeing so many different lanes of attack right now where um, anti-choice advocates are just trying anything they can to try and ban abortion. So we talked a little bit about trap laws and there's other trap cases that are pending. There's also method uh, ones that are pending, which is you just mentioned. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about um, the, um, the GMW case um, for transfer agreements? Yeah. And it's actually the, the brief that I'm working on right now is that, <laughs> is that one. So, you know, Kentucky is, a perfect storm of what can happen in the worst case scenario in many ways. Um, so as I mentioned before, Kentucky is down to one abortion provider, EMW Women's Surgical Center in Louisville. And we have three cases representing the clinic challenging different abortion restrictions right now that are at various stages in the courts. And uh, that includes a requirement that abortion providers must have a written transfer agreement with a hospital, which is the, the case that you mentioned, which is the, the trap case, uh, which uh, we won in the district court after a trial, and uh, the state of Kentucky appealed at, to the Sixth Circuit, and we're in the middle of briefing that right now. Um, the uh, Kentucky also 
has a method ban and it would prohibit abortions after the, about the 15th week in pregnancy. And we had a trial recently in that case and uh, the law is blocked in the meantime. There's also a law that we challenged um, in 2017 uh, after it was passed by the legislature uh, that was a mandatory ultrasound requirement and forced the doctor to show the image to the woman and uh, describe the, the image um, as well, even if the patient did not want that information. And we got that law struck down in the district court and uh, my colleague argued it in front of the Sixth Circuit and we're waiting for a decision on appeal there as well. And uh, the Kentucky legislature is in session and they are very busy trying to pass even more restrictions on abortion. I think that there are about five anti-abortion bills um, pending right now. Um, including a ban on abortion starting at six weeks in pregnancy. So Governor Bevan and uh, the anti-abortion politicians in Kentucky uh, are doing everything they possibly can to try to close the last clinic in Kentucky. So I know there are a number of six-week bans that have been attempted to put in place that have been struck down. Are there any that are... seeing movement moving up or has that have they basically just all been blocked so they've been blocked so far and then i'll talk about the ones in the in the in the work so uh a number of years ago north dakota had a six-week ban that the center for reproductive rights challenged and struck it down um and the eighth circuit court of appeals agreed that it was unconstitutional and the supreme court denied review um that was uh i think about three years ago Iowa passed a six-week ban, and uh, Planned Parenthood and the ACLU of Iowa challenged it and uh, just challenged it under the, under the state constitution and uh, got it permanently um, blocked by um, the trial court, and the, the state has not appealed. So that six-week ban in Iowa is struck down. Mississippi passed this legislative session, a ban on abortion starting at six weeks. It does not take effect um, until July 1, um, absent, you know, court challenge. Um, so the Center for Productive Rights uh, represents the last clinic in Mississippi, and um, I would, would guess that they would be challenging that law on behalf of the clinic there. Um, and then um, there are a number of states that are considering passing six-week bans, um, including Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee, Georgia, Texas, Missouri are the ones that come to my mind off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, that one feels the most um, direct attack on Roe. I mean, six weeks is before most women know they're pregnant. That's exactly right. Uh, and, you know, they're doing this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the sponsor of the Ohio bill has said explicitly that that she wants this to be a vehicle um, for the Supreme Court to consider overturning Roe versus Wade. And uh, so these states are considering passing these blatantly unconstitutional laws as a way of testing directly Roe versus Wade. So we have both these these frontal attacks on Roe and these restrictions that chip away at Roe that would eliminate abortion access if they're upheld. And that's why, you know, when we started this conversation, the need for people to be vigilant on both levels is so incredibly important. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, you have the challenges at Roe, the trap laws that are trying to close the clinics. There's just so much happening that... Everyone is so focused on Roe, which they should be. Um, But I think going back to a conversation earlier where Roe is already in so many places not the lived reality on the ground 
that it doesn't take the overturning of Roe to block people's access to services. And that's, uh, that's the reality today for many women and people seeking abortion. So I think that leads us to the big question that I know there is no answer for. Kind of with what you, what you kind of see with the court, would you imagine there would be like a big, just like complete overturning of Roe? Or do you just kind of see continuing on the path we're on where it's just this death of a thousand cuts? Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't know the answer. We don't have a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I think it's more probable, at least in the short term, for a weakening and undermining of Roe versus Wade. And uh, again, paying lip service to maintaining Roe, but creating a new standard of review for abortion restrictions that allows courts to uphold restrictions that would close clinic doors, eliminate access to abortion in the state entirely, uh, but having the court just not say that they're overruling Roe. Um, So I think that is more probable in Mm -hmm. the short term, uh, but, you know, we just don't know. Right. I mean, the good news is you are, with all of these attacks, there are states that are taking positive steps to enshrine Roe within their own state, but... So far, they've definitely been outnumbered by the states attacking Roe. That's right. But also, and also, uh, not just enshrining Roe, but also making proactive attempts to um, eliminate all restrictions on abortion, uh, uh, ensure that advanced practice clinicians can provide abortion in addition to doctors, uh, you know, really just taking down as many barriers as possible. Um, in in those states is also incredibly important and uh, proactive work that uh, we all must be committed to doing as well as fighting all of the defensive battles. Well, that transitions perfectly into, I always like to end with, what can our listeners do to fight back? I think you hear about all these horrible things happening and people really would love things that they, actions they can take. So what do you recommend? I mean, there's really so much, and I think it depends on what people want to do and where they live and how they want to engage. Uh, Obviously, if you live in a state that is um, considering uh, passing abortion restrictions, get involved in your state legislature. Similarly, if you live in a state where you think that abortion access is on fairly solid ground, um, but you could do more to eliminate um, any of the barriers that exist um, to make sure it would be uh, a place where people can come for abortion access and not face um, obstacles. Um, that's another way to get involved. And so, you know, finding out um, in your community who's doing that work and plugging um, in with them, whether it's the ACLU affiliate, the Planned Parenthood affiliate, the NARAL affiliate. Uh, uh, so figuring out um, it, those that coalition partners um, that we have in, in the states and getting involved in in uh, the legislative work, um, calling your representatives and um, really engaging uh, in the political process in that in that way. Um, there's also um, uh, volunteer opportunities in, in your community. You know, I think that abortion funds are amazing and are such a critical, important part of um, people's ability to access abortion uh, when they don't have the money to do so. So whether it's um, you know donating, donating to any of these organizations or volunteering, um, that's another thing that they can do. Um, if you are an attorney and um, are in a state where there is a parental involvement law, uh, you can volunteer with uh, an organization to go with uh, minors to court to uh, get a bypass of the parental 
um, consent requirement. And uh, as I mentioned, Jane's Due Process in Texas is one of these organizations that works with a network of lawyers um, to do this. So those are, I think, just some of the ways that people can get involved. But I think figure out who's doing the work in your community and, and see how you can be helpful, whether it's volunteering your time, uh, calling your state legislators, um, and then there's the federal government, too. What's going on um, with your with your senators and your House representatives and making sure that they know where you stand on, uh, on abortion access is incredibly important. Thanks so much for doing this, Bridget. I really appreciate having this talk today. Thank you so much for having me. For more information, including show notes from this episode and previous episodes, please visit our website at reprosfightback.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Repros Fight Back. If you like our show, please help others find it by sharing it with your friends and subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on iTunes. Thanks for listening.